Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property? Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all decisions decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASGA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. Good evening, everyone. <laughs> Here we are, back again. They thought they got rid of us, but we popped right back up. Uh, <laughs> we just completed the summit. This is Marty Oakley, and um, with me tonight is, of course, Kaz Gave, co-hosting. Chris is with us from Australia, from the Australian Association to Stop Guardian Abuse. And, of course, Reverend Ralph has joined us, which is always a plus we got a lot to cover and about an hour and a half to cover it in. I want to let everybody know that the summit was a huge, huge success. Um, we didn't have the interference we had last year, but we had some interference here and there. And a lot of people, in fact, over 70 of them I've counted so far, were not able to access the panel to listen to it live. But thank goodness Chris recorded it. We slapped that dog up there anyway. And um, so anyway... You can listen at will. It's on my page, Nazca's page, Chris's page. We got it posted everywhere. Um, but we did well. We drew a good audience, and the re- response to it was just tremendous. I mean, I was proud of the whole bunch of us. Um, we really, really hit a home run with this. And um, things are going to be different this next year. We aren't going to have all this hassle that we've been going through the last two years. So uh, there'll be more on that later. Uh, we'll be working to get a new platform set up and things going. And, of course, we'll be working with Marcel Reed, who um, is the founder of the Whistleblower Summit. And that has been run, overrun now by nefarious individuals who've decided it should be a moneymaker. And, um, but anyway, all that for another day. But anyway, we will be working closely with her and supporting her wherever she needs it. This has just been, uh, this whole week has just been crazy. Uh, The phone calls, the messages, the emails. uh, Since the summit, things have just blown up. And um, I think people thought, due in large part to the activity of these glory hogs, um, that we were, you know, it just didn't make any difference. We weren't doing anything of any difference. Um, I think if they paid attention at all, they know that what they shot out of their mouth ain't so. Of course, it seldom ever is. And um, But, uh, you know, it, that, that's a case of with these people that we call glory hogs. They can tell you what your, their name is, and you're still not sure if that's what their name is because they just carry on about everything, lie about everything. And um, their persona changes daily. But anyway... What would we do without them? 
uh, towards the end of the show, Kaz is going to be doing the hog report. And um, yep. yeah, we we love the hog report. So does our audience. <laughs> and of course, Yay. some people say it's unprofessional. Yeah, well, sometimes you got to have a laugh, and um, yeah. you can't always be. It's especially as you get older. You've got to laugh once in a while because all that dreary stuff will put lines on your face, and I can't have that. I just cannot. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's bad enough my hair all turned gray. And by the way, for you, those of you out there, yes, I know my hair turned gray. Yes, I know. I was really sick, and my hair just turned gray. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to hold with this or not, but we'll try it out for a little bit. And, um, of course, I, I just I don't know. There's too much weird stuff going on. Um, <laughs> too many Christmas. Where to start? Where to start? Um, Kazi, what do you got up for tonight? Well, this has been really busy. I cannot believe how many different phone calls and emails and a lot of new Facebook friends that I've gotten yes. just since we've done the since we've done the summit. I want to report. And now I cannot say where the county is or what state this is happening in, but this is exciting. There is a family that is taking a guardian to court in civil court. So we will be Ooh. watching. And this, and everyone's still, like, you know, the ward is still alive, but the guardian doesn't want to step down, which is usually the case. And, you know, it's a large estate, as they usually are. And so we are now going to see what's going to happen with the civil court. So <clears throat> Sometimes, if you can somehow get it federal, you'll get a jury trial, but not always uh-huh. in state. And so I don't know if there's going to be a jury trial or what's, what's going to be going on right now. But have, do we have any other examples of a guardian being taken to civil court? Well, no, because uh, not that I've heard all these years, because it's virtually impossible <clears throat> to get out of probate. Um, right. Because it's a whole different system. But mm-hmm. I, as I explained to you before, I'm working on a piece I'm going to be putting out on U.S. Title 18, Code 18. Um, I believe it's Section 242, but deprivation of rights. And mm-hmm. the, I found the Supreme Court's opinion on this uh, that determines how it's applied. And people were saying, oh, it only applies to the groups mentioned in police and caregivers and uh some judges and this kind of thing and they said no those things don't have to be the reason it can be any reason but it's someone who uses public office a public position an official position to harm people and to deprive them of their rights and i thought geez that i stamped that on the door of these courtrooms and yeah um, but uh yeah so i'll be looking into that and getting that out chris what do you got up what you been doing well, it's been quite an interesting. It's interesting that Cos has mentioned um, a civil case. We have a, a similar case here in in Australia, in South Australia. A mother is taking um, the guardians, the public guardians. Our guardians are the government. That's what makes it far more difficult. South Australia is the worst state in the whole country. In the whole country. Um, Reporting a guardianship case will land you in jail. Um, I flew over there uh, a few a week ago. A young lady who's fighting the public guardians. 
no reason for the application, absolutely no reason. It was admitted, it was a fishing expedition. Uh, young lady has mild cerebral palsy, makes decisions in her life. Well, she can make a lot of money because we have an insurance scheme in this country that targets vulnerable people, lock them up, place them in a group home and make a lot of money. So there are two cases now in South Australia that we are monitoring that may, go, that may actually eventuate to a courtroom. The other case is a lady who has been denied access to her son her son, we were there, I met her. Her son absolutely adores her, loves her dearly. I witnessed the love between mother and, and son. Um, she's, she's been denied access to her son, I think allowed only four hours uh, twice a week uh, based on a false allegation by a social worker. Uh, that's enough. That's all you need. You just need one of these, um, you know, these these. these public servants to make an allegation and you can lose your child, you can lose your partner, you can lose your loved one. And we're seeing that here in Victoria as well. There's another lady, uh, Ronit, who um, just just unsubstantiated allegations being thrown left, right, centre, and they've taken her son on his 18th birthday, rocked up to her oh, door, wow. took her son and just removed him. And there's profit to be made. This insurance scheme known as NDIS is a target. They are targeting vulnerable people who are on disability pensions, locking them up now, denying them state services. That's why the state is doing this. Isolating the family and billing the federal government. So they take their pension, the state, they take their inheritance, and the guards are paid by the NDIS which is a federal service. So we're seeing a lot of that. And the summit was really good. Um, from our perspective, it said everything. Everything was covered. Uh, we had some Australian um, 3 o'clock in the morning watching it. So yeah. we had an Australian audience watching 3 in the morning. I don't know how we got through that. I don't know how I got through it. But it's an awareness. Um, it's an awareness, isn't it, guys? Like we need to get this yeah. It's almost frustrating sometimes. You feel there are days you think, wake up, people. This is going to happen. This may happen to you. It, there's an illusion. They have this illusion that, oh, it, will only, it only happens to people that, you know, I'm safe and it'll only happen to people that don't have families or aren't married or yeah. haven't put their affairs in order or, you know, I have rights, I hear this often, oh, if they tried that on me, Christine, I'd be taking them to court. And I tell people, you're not going to see your, your day in court. They will do everything to keep you in that tribunal probate level. Yeah. They will yeah. allocate Crown solicitors in Australia and just keep you there. And that's what they're doing here. They are. For, uh, last week we attended three cases, Crown solicitors. Against families, they're not lawyers. They don't know the law. Yeah. They are doing everything to stop it. But it's coming out, I think, because the business is a predatory model and a negative yeah. model, it cannot sustain itself. It, it's going yeah. to explode. One day it's go and then, then you'll hear the naysayers saying, well, how did this happen? You know, why did this happen? Yeah. We didn't know about this. Well, you yeah. do. It's happening. It's real, guys. It's real.
Yeah. Yes. And you know, and more that's and the thing about you, the same thing. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say more and more as, as I, I've been getting so many contacts, it, that seems to be the thing is that they feel alone, these victims, the victims and their family, they feel alone. They, people like in their like circle think they're crazy, think they're being dramatic. And then when they find us, they're, you know, I always say, I believe everything that you're telling me because I experienced it myself. And, and it's just such a, it's so, it's so encouraging to people to know like, oh my gosh, someone is actually believes me that this is happening because people still are in disbelief that this kind of stuff is going on. That's yes. true. That's yes, true. And they are, that is but you so know, true. it's not as bad. Yeah. It's not as bad as when I was first in this, which has been 14 years ago. Um, every every time I turn around, oh, they must have done something wrong. Well, they're lying. Well, there's something wrong here. Uh, what did they do? They wouldn't have done this if they hadn't done something wrong. But all this time later, there are a few of those people left because everybody knows this does happen. Uh, the movie I Care A Lot, yeah. the Britney Spears case, mm-hmm. um, you know, Wendy Williams, <laughs> she got nailed by... Uh, was it Wells Fargo? They're involved a lot of times in these cases in the mm-hmm. transferring of trusts and all of that. Uh, I wouldn't deal with them myself, but that's my personal opinion. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's just a matter of this is a global issue. They are doing this. Like I say, Chris, they're, they're doing the same thing here that they're doing there. We just have different terminology and different exactly. descriptions of, of the people playing, but it is the same system. The same system. Reverend Ralph, did you want to chime in here? I'm sorry, what did you say, Marty? I said, did you want to chime in? Pay attention now. Oh, <laughs> good evening. Uh, sometimes we have a bad connection. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. it's, it's, un- it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, people are referred to as wards, but they're actually slaves. They are slaves of the yeah. state. And basically, uh, in America, people uh, believe that slavery was ended in uh, 1865. But what's interesting is women did not get the right to vote till about 1925. So they were still right. slaves, basically, of men up until that time. But even today, again, you have these unfortunate situations where the wards are now slaves of basically a pimp. Uh, I see right. it basically as prostitution. The pimps, the yeah. uh, the uh, guardians, are just taking their money and forcing them to do work, uh, save their money, just so they can take it away. Uh, these guardians. Yeah. So it's basically slavery slash prostitution that these uh, guardians are forcing uh, these people to uh, provide for them. Uh, and it's yes. unfortunate that the heirs. Uh, are being deprived of the money that people have worked for and saved for all their lives as a gift to them when they pass on. But it just doesn't happen that way. No. No. You know, and that's another thing, too. uh, In the promo that came from NASCA, it was done for NASCA, and it says that, you know, these these tribunals don't have the money to audit and supervise. Why would you set up a system like this and not provide enough funding to audit and supervise what's going on when you're dealing with people's lives. 
and this again is intentional. This whole system, people keep saying, well, we can fix it. Well, you cannot fix it. This is not broken. It is not a broken system. Exactly. It is operating exactly, exactly the way they intended it to. And yeah. so the only thing you can do is get rid of it. And that's what needs to be done. We have supported decision-making. If you want to charge somebody with being incompetent, I've taken into civil court in front of a legitimate judge of the law, bring your evidence. This thing is standing up in a tribunal, and as you mentioned earlier, one of you about you can levy any charges you want. There's no accountability. There's no evidence. You never ask for evidence. And the defendant, which is the position they're in, they're, in a, they're a defendant, is not allowed to defend themselves. Um, talk about a kangaroo court. Uh, this is exactly what this is. And we've got banks involved. We've got, you know, state governments involved. I, I go back again to that staffer for, I think, and I want to say Numis was his name up there in Minnesota, when I said we need to do something about probate. And she said, oh, she said the probate system saves the state a lot of money. I said, no, 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 let me correct you. It makes the state a lot of money. I said, in the block grants and the federal funding and this and that and something else, I said, they're rolling in dough at the expense of the elderly. And you sit there and you do nothing. And that's intentional, too. Um, now, I want to warn you all, I'm intending to come out with some articles, and I'm going to be lambasting Congress and state legislatures and several other people about their reticence about stepping forward and doing the right thing here. And mm-hmm. <laughs> if I see one more of these bogus fluff and buff bills that some of these, well, the mm-hmm. glory hogs mostly, are pandering around about how it's going to fix everything and it fixes nothing. They don't even mention guardianship. There's no caps put on fees. There's no restraints put on the guardian. There's no prohibition on the isolation and the deprivation of rights. I could write a better bill on any day than what I see these elected officials come out with. But, of course, they don't write them. They have a bill writer from the Bar Association usually write their bills for them. Then they slap their name on it. (laughs) And... You know, and then it goes through many changes till they get anything of any substance out of it. Um, and, and that's, a, you know, it, on a whole different topic, but this is one of the reasons I truly believe the bar associations need to be disbanded and prohibited. Uh, they are such a detriment to the country. And um, mm-hmm. you can't no. give people that much power. You just cannot. Because as you see, they abuse it. They abuse it every time. But it just, um, I want to go back again to the summit. We we hit big. Um, I was even just pleasantly surprised at the messaging I got, phone calls and everything about what a stellar panel that was. So thank you, Chris and everybody. And I'm hoping Marsha will call in. And um, she was going to try and be here this evening also. But uh, it's just... Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know where we go from here. Trying to get people to work together has been proven extremely, um, extremely difficult. And uh, because you always got somebody that jumps up there and wants to be king or queen, I'm not yeah. in that frame of yeah. mind. You know, and mm-hmm. so this and this. Go ahead. You know, there's uh, Marty, another thing re- that I. Oh, go ahead, okay. Reverend. Okay, this is Reverend Ralph. I have a question for yes. Chris. In Australia, what are the standards to determine uh, the incapacitation of a person? 
Well, it depends. It's, it varies in each state, but generally it's a reasonableness test. So if the individual lacks the ability to make reasonable decisions, now on paper, Reverend, everything looks wonderful. What we are seeing is willful blindness of legislation. And let me explain this. We had three cases last week which I attended. In one case, it was accepted that the lady in question had mental um, mental uh, incapacity. She could not make legal or reasonable decisions. But because they were able to isolate her, they start using, they, they, they start the rights process. Oh, she has rights. She has the rights to not see her daughter, which is absolutely dangerous. As we know, isolation and trauma-based bonding is often used successfully to turn victims against the family. Then in another case, right. the other case, we had the flip coin where um, the individual um, has had their rights prematurely taken away from them. And they've used, and that particular individual has stated quite clearly they would like to go home, they would like to live with their family. Well, in that case, uh, there was an acceptance of undue influence by the tribunal. This this victim clearly doesn't know what's going on. Um, so they play this, I call it the casino. Um, the house always wins. They can pick any card they want to get that outcome, which is control. And then we've had another case, which is a really, really sad case. And the gentleman actually, young man, uh, has been isolated by insurance providers and um, NDIS providers, we call them, in Queensland. I received a call from the tribunal in Queensland in the morning threatening me not to speak on behalf of the family. And it was a kangaroo trial. They had lawyers in there. They had everything. This gentleman has tested in the lowest quartile in IQ. He has been released, deemed to have capacity. A court order was placed on us, so we don't mention his name. So I won't mention his name. Um, so they've released him. Now, he's clearly lost mental functioning capacity. His parents applied for guardianship to control him from predators using his name to make money off him. And the tribunal said, well, I'm satisfied with an exerciseologist's opinion that this gentleman has capacity. No doctor, no neuropsychiatric assessment, no neurological assessment, because they wouldn't, he wouldn't pass. That's what happened. So... What the law states, which is mental functioning capacity, and what actually happens in these tribunals are two different things, Reverend. So, you're, we're, you know, often people will determine, yes, the person has an IQ test, they can, their memory is not impaired, they can make decisions, their lifestyle, they can pay their bills. The tribunal will ignore it if it's not in the interest of the tribunal, they'll just ignore it. So it means nothing. I look at the legislation, it looks warm and fuzzy and, and lovely. They just ignore it. They just don't care. So we have mental functioning capacity here may be on reasonable decision-making, the ability to understand, the ability to weigh risk. But if that tribunal member, who's not a judge and there's no jury, decides they don't want to play the ball and it doesn't suit the interests 
of the state or territory. Well, I'll just ignore the law. And where do you go, Reverend? There's no appeal. There's no, they self-review their own decisions. They self-investigate their own decisions. And at an internal review new stage, you're looking at Crown solicitors fighting you, fighting families, fighting. The imbalance of power is so real that you're fighting the state. And Marty mentioned about public office um, malfeasance, they call it, um, in public office. Yes. Well, how do you sue the Crown? How do you investigate the Crown? How do you take action against the Crown? It's impossible. Everyone knows what's happening in Australia. No one's doing anything about it. Brave media have raised the question only to be met with threats and job losses. And that's really the reality in Australia. Ours is, I agree, the legal system in this country as well has blood on its hands when it allows this absolute vile abuse of people's rights and their liberties and against their wishes and against their interests to protect them. It's, it's, it's rife. And the worst stories we're hearing now of predators who are targeting these vulnerable people, not even guardians, and you know, telling them, we'll protect you, come to us, come to us, locking them away and on their deathbed changing their wills. And we're seeing a lot of that now. Oh wow! I re- just, this is Reverend Ralph. This is Reverend Ralph again, Chris. Do you use any type of psychologist to uh, give any type of test to to determine capacitation? Yes. In Australia, you would expect a neuropsychological assessment to be conducted um, independently. The, the, the issue that we have in this country, there's no such thing as an independent. Uh, psychologist or neuropsychiatric opinion. There are independent ones. But what we see is anyone challenging the tribunal, they are at risk of having their medical licence removed from them. And that became very apparent in the COVID years here where brave doctors were questioning um, the edicts of the state, whether you agree or not is irrelevant, but they were questioning using you know, their opinion and they, they were threatened with their licence uh, removed. One psychologist was threatened in, in a hearing uh, who provided a, an independent report that if he actually stood by that report and supported the family, uh, a citation would be... Um, um, or, or, or a complaint will be made to the um, the psychiatric and psychological board here. So even if you're lucky to um, be assessed by a psychiatrist or, uh, or a psychologist, a lot of them are very worried and very they're reticent. They're very scared to to supply any information because you're actually dealing with a state body. So there's no independent process. All roads lead to Rome in Australia and all roads lead to the Attorney General's office in each state. And you're really fighting that system. And it is really difficult to obtain a medical report. Or, on the other hand, what we see is uh, medical reports are obtained and they favour the state. So they'll say, well, we believe that this person lacks capacity, even though they don't. So there's a lot of collusion. I I was speaking to someone the other day and they said, how do we fight this, Chris? And and the problem is 
the only people that can really raise these issues are those doctors and those lawyers and those judges who are retired or semi-retired raising an awareness that this is happening and there's no threat to their income or their employment prospects because otherwise we have a very they've really I always tell guardianship advocates watch Australia Australia they have really refined the guardianship system here they have covered every stage they have spotters they have doctors in their corner they have psychologists in their corner reverend and these reports they're not worth the paper sometimes they're written on anyone can provide a capacity report anyone a provisional psychologist last week provided a report and blacked out his name he wouldn't even stand by his report this would not pass the pub test we call here in Australia. This would not pass the pub test in Australia. In a court of law, it would be thrown out. In the tribunal, it was accepted as fact. Oh, wow. Wow. This is just... Cosby, are question. you still there? Yeah, oh, there I go. have a question <laughs> for Chris. Yeah, I have a question for Chris. So I know that sometimes they don't like Chris coming on the show and what... What sort of feedback do you get that you were on a whistleblower <clears throat> summit that basically is blowing whistles in the United States, but yet you were on that panel turning it into an international situation? Do do you, what do they say? Do you, what's the feedback that you get? Well, I was um, uh, I've been trolled, as you know, I've been viciously trolled by unknown people. Uh, one names himself. I had to receive a court order. I, I, I went to the courts uh, with one particular individual who has been uh, spreading um, uh, malicious lies about me. I, I, for the record, I've never been arrested. I have never been arrested. I've never been um, uh, attending any, um, you know, arrested for COVID protests or anything like that. It's been more of a malicious target against me which doesn't bother me. It's had, actually, it's backfired. I've been receiving a lot of compliments from people telling me, you go, girl, keep doing it. It's not me. But anyway, um, so I've had a bit of that. But um, I have been um, removed from tribunals. I have been um, threatened uh, with um, legal um, being sued. I have... Um, Last week, or oh, two weeks ago, um, disconnected from a tribunal hearing 26 times. I I don't know why. I, I've never been rude to any of the examiners. I've never been rude to any of the tribunal members. They don't like the spotlight shone on them. We're not stopping. We're not going to stop. This is a human rights issue. It's human yeah. trafficking. We're not against guardianship in Australia. There are individuals that need a limited form of guardianship in, in some aspects, in some areas of their life. Um, good families should be allowed to continue caring for their loved ones. There should be no competition with the state the minute they see a vulnerable person, um, you know, attacking the family, um, isolating the victim. Look, it's been really difficult in that regard. It's, Asgar is not me, fortunately. It's not just me. We've got Genevieve Tracy. She stepped in. She helps us in, in, enormously. We've got Maria who helps us as well. 
uh, Sandra stepping in, a lot of people are stepping in and, and, and assisting us. So we're now a group, uh, which is good. It's great. Yeah. Um, but I have to choose. I have to choose wisely who I associate with because we do have. Um, it's really, really scary. We have, we have spotters. We have spies that try to come in. There are some good advocates in New South Wales. There are good advocates in Queensland. There's June Walker. There's so many advocates here. They're not part of ASGAR, but we're all beating the same drum, and that's really, really good. But we do have spies. We do have government operatives that, that really want to shut us down. It's not going to happen. We've done nothing wrong. Yeah. We're shining the spotlight on something that's... It, we're on the, Look, I've always said, Marty, and you, you agree, we are on the yeah. right side of history here. We're on the right yes. side of history here. One day, this will all come out, really come out. I mean, it's coming out, but I mean yeah. really come out. And yeah. everyone is going to say, I remember Marty. I remember Cos. They were talking years ago. They've been drumming the beat about guardianship. We're not wrong. It is wrong to isolate a person. It is wrong to drug them. It is wrong to steal their money in a deceptive manner to charge them fees, uh, to remove their family, to isolate, to, to slander, to attack good people who love their children, who love their mothers and their fathers. What is going on here? What is going on that they can do this? Lawyers are in the thick of this. Doctors, select doctors are in the thick of this. Governments, the Attorney's General's Office, they are the predators. They're the criminals. We haven't done anything wrong. Well, that's true. And, you know, the thing is, like, <clears throat> just like here, they, you know, they have a, the College of Probate Judges and they have a commission, the Judicial Commission, and they have, you know, the Complaint Division for the Bar Association. And they've got all of these committees set up that do all of this stuff. And, of course, basically their main job is to say, oh, we don't see anything wrong. We need a Citizens Commission. And when you send in a report, a complaint yeah. against an attorney, you send it in to the Bar Association, you send us the same report. And I guarantee you it's, you're not going to get the same response. Uh, the idea that we allow these people to police themselves is just it's, it's the definition of insanity. 99% um, of all of the uh, charges brought against, like with the Judicial Commission, um, get dismissed they don't see anything wrong and i guess they don't because most of them have participated in the very same thing and but the idea we are we are a, a population globally that is beset by predators and these people are not normal i don't care which is anybody needs to be locked up it should be them they're a threat to the rest of us these people mm -hmm. have no conscience they they have no empathy no sympathy they don't care about the pain and misery they cause. They want what you've got, and you better give it to them because things could get really ugly instead of just kind of ugly. And we see this all over the place. Uh, these people are merciless, just merciless. <clears throat> it's like they're oblivious to the misery and the pain that they cause the victim, plus the extended family, friends, religious mm -hmm. associations. You know, they, they harm so many people downstream, and yet this rolls on. And my biggest complaint here, uh, but I find particularly offensive, is the failure 
of federal or state legislators to put the lid on this thing, to deal with it honestly mm-hmm. um, and put a lid on this thing. But the fact of the matter is, globally, they are trying to rid the population of as many people, 60 and over, as possible. We are commodities. Yep. We are no longer, in most cases, taxable. Therefore, they can't get anything from us. We have no use, no value. So yep, we got to right. go. <laughs> you know, we got to go. When you look at a hospice under Obamacare, and this was Democrats and Republicans both, don't start the oh, damn Democrat. They, they all passed it. The Supreme Court ruled on it. it. One of the most convoluted rulings I've ever seen. But anyway... They changed the definition of food and water from a, medic- or from a human right and necessity to medical treatment. So when you go into hospice, even if you're not terminal, they can get a doctor anywhere, and that means anywhere on the face of the earth. Literally anyone, anywhere, can call futility of care on you, and food and water is stopped immediately. It's medical treatment. Really? I call it a necessity. But we're euthanizing people this way. We have two states now, Wyoming and Maryland, that have passed laws saying it's okay to starve the mentally ill and those with dementia to death. Why should you have to take care of them? You know, that's costing the taxpayers money. Well, you don't worry about my taxpayers' money when you're blowing it on wars and everything else and these big projects you got going on that are all staffed with your buddies um I, I you know and that's something i'm chris i'm sure you see it there also and reverend and oh, yeah. i want to hear your thoughts on this we have got i see constantly because i'm constantly reading news and government executive and all of this the constant spending of billions trillions millions of dollars on this and that and something else where in the world is this money coming from? Now, you can borrow from um, the Global Bank. What is it? I can't even think of the name of it now. But the only thing that they will accept as collateral from anyone is land. And if you go back to Bush Doofus, uh, Bush Two, he sent Condoleezza <laughs> Rice over to China to strike a deal with them. And what they're doing is called hypothecation. And that means they are taking your labor, your assets, your land, and putting it up as collateral against money they are borrowing. So if we default, which we have, they come calling and they want that collateral. And we now have China owning most of our home mortgages. Um, they have, as I understood or standard, are in the process of taking ownership of our three of our national forests and waterways. But this is what happens when you see these massive figures. It's you who's going to pay the bill on this. One way or another, you're going to pay the That's bill right. on us. And That's right. so, but they want rid of yes, and Social Security. I keep hearing about how it's bankrupt. It's it. No, it isn't. The federal government, since the Johnson administration in Vietnam. He opened up Social Security to the general fund, and they started siphoning off the billions in surplus funds. That fund could have run for 5,000 years. Um, I'm being facetious, but for hundreds anyway, Mm -hmm. to fund the Vietnam War. And every 
every administration since then has hit that Social Security fund to to fund their pet projects, to pay people off. Um, when the federal government provides funding to a state, it is in actuality bribery. And it's a bribery payment to allow the Fed into your state to implement what they then openly call their business plan, which is never anything that's going to benefit you. And so this, this is what we have. They are spending your inheritance, your legacy. They are spending what should go to your children. And while all this is going on, oh, somebody here just said they had to borrow a billion and a half to keep Social Security solvent. Wrong. Let me explain to you. They borrowed a billion and a half to fund Title IV-D, which is something that Social Security only administers. It is not part of Social Security, but that agency administers Title IV-D, which is child support recovery. And that money is used to buy access to the states. And if anybody's had to deal with child support, which I have, um, it is one of the biggest theft rings operating. And... um, we, we personally here, I raised two of my granddaughters, lost over $12,000 in child support that was paid that simply vanished into thin air. And no accountability. But this is, this is what's going on. No. And the first thing I think we need to do is sever all contracts, because everything is contract. Sever all contracts with the federal government. Get them out of the state. Um, they can't regulate trade within the state, but they can between the states. Get them out of your state. Sever those contracts. Tell them to pack up their goodies and head on out. Um, as mm-hmm. I said on the show, on the uh, summit, the terrorists we need to fear are sitting in D.C. The people that are set to harm us are sitting in D.C., I'm not concerned about somebody coming from a foreign country. They might blow something up, whatever. That's sad enough. But we have a government that is clearly set against us. And not to, I don't want to get off on this COVID thing, but I see this as nothing more than global genocide of uh, the elderly, the disabled, because that seems to be who's accuming to it, except unless you were foolish enough to take that vaccine that isn't a vaccine. And um, we've got 43,000 dead from it. I, I'm telling you, it, it's like the world has gone crazy, absolutely crazy. And I, I can't, we can't allow ourselves to be divided anymore on political basis. You know, are you right or you left? Who does God love? Who does God hate? Um, you, you, let it go. Let it go. It's us against them, and us is losing. Do you get it? Do you get it? When you support yeah. these people, yeah. you are digging your own grave. Um, mm-hmm. You've got to, we've got to stand as a collective here in the public. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's sad. It's sad. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I strongly recommend, firstly, like Asgard, our group, we are, you know, when it comes to to the vaccine, it's a personal choice. I, my personal right. view is, uh, my personal view is that it's up to the individual to weigh up their yes. risks. 
way up their lifestyle, way up if they wanted to. I don't like anyone being forced to do anything. I'm against... It's it's a human rights violation there. But yeah. it is a personal decision people have to make. Um, we're seeing... and and. I've got close friends, many who have had four doses, they're still catching COVID. So it, we, we've now accepted the fact that the vaccine is not stopping anything. But if it minimises, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. So I never really venture into that sort of argument. But what we are seeing, and I strongly recommend people do this, I think they should, uh, in terms of economics, Google John Perkins, economic hitman. It's a great... Uh, 10 minutes, uh, it really, really highlights how countries, how these private hedge funds, uh, and we're seeing it now in Australia, how they're hocking up state governments to, you know, create these uh, quarantine, um, um, quarantine hubs and desalination plants. Nothing is being used. So wasting money, money, money. And they're paying these. What will happen eventually is what happened in, in Sri Lanka. Uh, we will default on these debts. We are growing. Mm-hmm. Australia's debt is just climbing. And we will default. And then you have these private hedge funds and this is, this is a fact. This is not made up. It's not a conspiracy theory. They come in like they did in Greece and they look at all the infrastructure and they say, we'll take that, thank you, and we'll take the roads and we'll take your water and we'll take your hubs and we'll take your mm-hmm. land. So this debt is created, but real assets are being transferred to these private hedge funds. This is a fact. This is what they do. And our governments globally are doing this. It happened in Europe. It's now yes. happening in Australia. I'm watching it with great interest. It's happening, obviously, it's been happening for a while in America. Um, the yes. smaller countries topple uh, like Sri Lanka. The bigger countries will take up some time, but they will, will get there. Um, what we are seeing also is when we created ASGAR, um, it was predominantly, we were seeing the elderly targeted, their assets, their income, pure wealth transfer from an individual to often the guardians or the lawyers or whoever they are, so or the state. So we saw that. But then we started seeing what was called, what's called NDIS clients. They had no money. They had a pension. Um, they were on a national disability insurance scheme. We call it NDIS. So you'll often see, Marty, we highlight NDIS. It's, it's basically a scheme in Australia to help those under... Well, they can be over 65, but you have to be under 65 initially to apply for between 7 and 65. And those vulnerable people who access services... Now, these budgets can top to $2 million, we've seen, okay? So an individual can have a target on them for $2 million. The the scheme was designed to help mothers, to help fathers look after their disabled children or their disabled partners. What we are seeing is these providers are using guardianship as a weapon. They don't like uncertainty. They don't like to be sacked from um, when they're abusing a vulnerable person by the, by the parents or by the, by the partner. So they're using guardianship now to isolate 
So they apply for guardianship, they initiate an application, the public guardian steps in, the public guardian is often missing in action, delegates the duties to these providers. These providers isolate the family. They start writing up all these shift notes of lies and, and, and just unsubstantiated allegations to successfully remove the, the, you know, to apply to, to the tribunals. The tribunals rubber stamp these allegations. And, you know, they then drug the victim, challenge the victim, the victim's isolated, no one sees the abuse. And then they apply to the NDIS um, um, department to increase the funding. So a small budget of 60000 and in one case it was $100,000, this is... Um, Julie's, Julie's case with her son, Julia's case, um, has now reached $1.8 million a year. Now, the aim of that is, why is everyone paying so much money? These vulnerable people will live long lives on a pension, 50, 60 years. They won't live longer than three years in a group facility. So it's a soft eugenics program that we're seeing. Yes. So there's a carrot... Families are applying for NDIS, not knowing that they're walking in. They're like a fly to a web, and all these greedy providers are just waiting to remove your loved one, throw them into a group home, okay, and then increase the funding in a short time, and then they kill them off. Now, when I say kill them yes. off, no one knows. We just see people suddenly dying very strong, fit individuals that could live decades suddenly dying of seizures or overdosed, no autopsies and cremated. Who's the winner? Can I say something here? Uh, one of the I mentioned uh, um, during the summit, Marcia Southwick and I uh, had done, and we're going to be doing more, on the selling of whole bodies or body parts of you might remember uh, Cause, Reverend Ralph, um, I think it was there in Pennsylvania, that doctor that they raided him and he had all them baby feet and heads and jars yeah, and everything else. And this, yes, and this is what he was doing. He was in the body trade and they sell these parts. This oh. is why they will never totally eradicate abortion. There is big money in those dead babies, big money. And a lot of people with wealth are invested in the companies that do this. Uh, they sell these parts to universities, to research labs. They can be shipped all over the world. I mean, it's just disgusting. But I have wondered, and many times as we've seen in guardianship cases, and you know this, cause they, the family will be notified weeks, if not months, after the person supposedly died. Okay? Mm -hmm. And then they said they get rid of their formal funeral plans. They have a plot paid for and the funeral's all paid for. They, they dispense with that and they set up their yep. own. They're going to cremate them. And mm -hmm. so I'm thinking what this is, is uh, this is what's going on. And yeah, they, you know, claim they cremate and maybe they do what's left if there is anything. But this is why by the time the family is notified, any possible evidence is gone. Uh, we had Barry Taubon, who was a whistleblower out of Alabama, mortician. Um, he had been featured on CBS whistleblower show, and of course they got so much crap for the one-sided reporting they did, they pulled that. But anyway, he had 
there, the man had a very good name, very well respected. And he started noticing bodies coming in that were missing things like bones and tendons and their brains and different things. And he gets a hold of the person who owned the mortuary and said, something's going on here. He said, this isn't so well. well use PVC pipe and, uh, or something like that to make it look like the bones are still there. He said, I'm not doing that. So he's telling a friend of his about it. The friend says, I've got a friend at the FBI, and you need to report this, which he did. They filed a whistleblower lawsuit, and you're supposed to get, I can't remember, I think it's 10% of what the government recovers. He was supposed to have gotten, he was awarded $1.4 million. And, of course, CBS made a huge thing about this. This is the only reason he reported to get the money. That man never saw a dime. The attorneys kept everything. He never saw a dime. He's mm-hmm. out of a job, can't get work in the field. But this is what we do to people who try to report what's going on. Yeah. And so, but I think there is this whole market running under the radar for body parts. And I think this is what's happening to many people who are in guardianship, who end up in hospice or just die in guardianship from abuse and neglect, is that the reason the family isn't notified is they're selling off whatever they can. It's a last-ditch effort to make a buck off you. Um, It's just I don't put anything past these people. Nothing, nothing. Um, These people are animals. They are not, I don't, I personally don't think they're fully human. You can't, there's too many of them. This isn't an aberration. There's too many predators for this to be oh, just human. an isolated. Yeah, yeah they're there's human. too many. They're, they're, they're human. They're human, Marty. They, 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 I've, I've, I, it's interesting you raise body parts because I've always thought that was a conspiracy theory. I never had any evidence of in Australia, body parts or anything to do with it. And I thought, no, not, maybe not here. Until recently, we had a lady in Queensland who was on life support. And the mm-hmm. guardians were telling the family that she's brain dead. And um, they even, the baby died. She was pregnant at the time. And the baby, that she had a particularly rare blood dis- uh, disease or disorder or type. I'm, I can't remember really. But they injected her uh, with something. And anyway, the baby passed away. But they said, oh, that's okay, da-da-da. And they wanted to remove her life support. And I thought it was particularly cruel at the time. And then the the parents contacted me and spoke to me and said, Christine, they're, they're asking us for her body parts, for her heart, for her liver, to keep her alive. Yep. And I said, what? And he said... The father said, yes, they've requested that if we don't agree, they are going to apply for guardianship and the guardian will consent to the removal of her liver, her heart, her eyes. And it was the first case where I thought, this is not a conspiracy theory. This is actually real. This actually happened to this family. So I noted the family and the name down so no one would think, oh, Christine." You know, lost it a little bit. Um, And I thought, what about those individuals that don't have family? What's happening when no one's looking? What is happening when there's no one watching? And 
look, the reality is we've seen legislation in Western Australia where they clearly state once you're under public guardianship, they can test on you, they can test yes. on the victim for new vaccines, they can remove any tissues and organs. You are owned by the yep. state. That is in law. That exists. Right. And also I think in New South Wales I've seen similar legislation. Now, this is the law. Now, why would you put something into law like that if you're not actually engaging in that type of behaviour? And the, and the other issue that we, we've seen a lot of is if you don't consent to these predatory guardians, well, they'll just take over anyway. I don't... I yeah. think that's the problem. Someone said to me, well, why aren't there whistleblowers, Christine, in, in guardianship, people coming out? Because they either have been brainwashed into believing that the family is the enemy. So we have seen courses, and I, I undertook one of the courses where uh, they talk about elder abuse, and they clearly define elder abuse now and coercive control as domestic violence, not institutional abuse, not organisational yeah. abuse, not professionals. No, no, we have mechanisms to deal with that in Australia. They've just put that to the side. All abuse is family. This is a, it is a business. Yes. It is about maximising the return of that person. And anyone that gets in the way, which is usually family and loved ones, is the enemy. They have defined us as the enemy. The victim is the enemy as well. So when you're running a business, okay, you maximise your return. Cos would know she runs a business. You maximise your profit yes. and you eliminate your competition. And that's what we're watching. And we're seeing people yes. with the attitude, well, if you can't beat them, join them. They're often lawyers. So they'll make as much money as they can. We see frightened physicians who... Um, we see a lot of people uh, imported from overseas countries who come in, make assessments, and then they leave. So we don't have, we have this, we don't even know who these physicians are. They're not even local, some of them. Um, and it's not meant to be a racist overtone. It's actually happening. That's what we're seeing. Right. Um, I, have no, I have no qualms about an expert in any country coming in. I do have a problem with predatory professionals targeting our yes. vulnerable people. They need to be called out. I agree with you, Marty. There needs to be a people's commission. Um, the complaints process here is a self-review process. I witnessed lawyers attempt to transfer property in our case during a proceeding, met with silence. I complained to our legal services board. Three years later, they shut that down. In a court of law, that would have been deemed as perverting the course of justice. Right. But when you're complaining against these individuals, when you're complaining against these individuals, nothing happens. It is all covered. It is all protected. Right. It, it is designed never to escape, never to be right. exposed. And uh, it's not you a know, conspiracy. I think it took us a long yeah. time to get that message across. This is happening, guys. It can happen to you. It can happen to yeah. me. It can happen to people with capacity and no money. Yep. One of oh, the yeah. things, too, uh, you, you know, being put on life support, and I found this out through Mr. Taub and 
<laughs> from other people that I have talked with. We had Dr. Byrne on the show here a few years back, and he had participated in one organ harvesting, and he said, never again. He said, what you have to understand is when they're going to harvest organs, the patient is alive. He said they do exactly what they do in federal executions. He said, you can't give them an anesthetic because that renders the organs unusable. So they give them a paralytic so that they can't cry out or fight or anything else. And he said, the one he attended, he said, the man for all intents and purposes looked like he was dead. He said, when they started eviscerating him and they spooked you up the middle, he said, and started after his organs, he said, tears rolled out of his eyes and one arm raised up. He said, I nearly vomited. He said, I had to get out of there. He said, understand, these people are alive. And he said, uh, he and a couple others that I've talked to about this said um, that when they put someone on life support, it is not to preserve that person's life, but they're waiting for the demand for that tissue and blood type and whatever so that it's a match. And then they'll go to the family and say, oh, we need to go ahead and take him off life support. You know, it's just not, they're not going to make, and they'll pull the plug. And, um, but basically what they'll do is keep pumping oxygen into the system to keep those organs viable. And I'm telling you, it's like living in a nightmare when you find out all of this stuff is going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. You see this thing in guardianship and the suffering, the absolute suffering of the victims and the family and when I was first in this, I think I told you because people were spending, you know, mortgaging their house two and three times, spending their kids' college funds trying to save mom, dad, mm-hmm. or grandma, grandpa. Um, mm-hmm. They were spending yeah. everything, ended up losing. And they, yeah. it was a no-win situation. There is so much money made behind the scenes aside from the theft of the estate. There is so much money running in an undercurrent from various means and sources, that it's absolutely nauseating. These people are predators. They have no appreciation yeah. for human life or the trauma or the no. you know misery they are costing someone else. They, they no. don't care. They don't care. Reverend, you're it's, awful quiet. But. Yeah. I'm, li- I'm listening. I, I, I just can't believe uh, they put – People that commit crimes that everybody knows about in jail, but these type of people, they're given a pat on the back. Well, that's just it. If you or I or anybody on this show did one of the things that these predators do, we'd be sitting in prison. We would – they would – hang us out to dry and yet these people do this every single day of the week in full view of everyone and nothing happens. You can't touch them. You cannot it's a touch program, them. Even though the crimes yeah. are done, it blocks it, it. A victim is identified. Victims' yep. rights are quickly removed from them. So it's a really quick identification and the removal of their rights is really, really quick of notice. The isolation and the medication is really quick as well in the policing. And then it slows yeah. down. The complaints process, the reviews, Families really realizing, oh no, the victim, I've been hacked. And then all yeah. slows down really suddenly until that person, they can't escape. There is, this is societal abuse. You can't escape. You cannot seek redress. 
You cannot complain. You cannot appeal. It's by design. When has isolation, yep. kidnapping, entrapment, murder, um, drugging, um, you know, when has that become legal? I call it legalized genocide because that's what yes. it is. It's a soft eugenics program. There's nothing else. It's not one case. We have thousands of cases. I hear yes. and receive emails every day. So it's endemic. We know it's happening. And this, it's met with this silence, complaining, the doors closed. I have a letter from a politician actually stating that the guardians in Australia, the tribunals and the public trustees are independent of government. Since when is a statutory body independent of government? Because the government yeah. doesn't want to know. They are the modern right, day. Yeah. It sounds horrible um, to use the word Gestapo. But they are the modern-day executioners. They have been allowed this, these excessive discretionary powers to do an act in any way they say they fit. No accountability, no transparency by design to target citizens. This is a crime. Right. It should be viewed as a crime. We have a royal commission in Australia that we, are, we have liaised with. We have given them a list of individuals. We need to speak regarding these crimes. They've had a roundtable meeting and they've invited the guardians and the tribunals. Oh. And as we yeah. said in the letter, we sent a letter to the, to the DRC, to the Disability Royal Commission. Why would you allow the foxes in the hen house regarding this? Speak to the victims. Speak to the advocates who are in there supporting families. Um, See that, you know, you don't ask, you know, you wouldn't ask Joseph Goebbels to write up an advertising policy on, on the 1940s, would you? You wouldn't ask anyone, Pol Pot, to talk about the crimes he committed, or you wouldn't ask anyone, you know, even in America and Australia, our governments, the crimes that, that they've committed uh, using our, you know, our sovereignty. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. This needs transparency, it needs people to speak, not an organised forum by uh, individuals that are being actually silenced. I do believe our Disability Royal Commission is aware what's going on, they know what's going on, but there are groups that are silencing our commissioners from speaking yes. out about really these atrocities and what is actually occurring. Well, I want to make something clear here. Um, I, I just got a uh, message here, and they said you <laughs> you sound like a group of conspiracy theorists. Let me explain <laughs> something to you. A theorist <laughs> is someone, yeah, who makes an assumption about something without any evidence and lays out their plan or their idea on what that is. That's a conspiracy theorist. I have no facts, but this is what I think. If anything, we are conspiracy analysts. We have got stacks of documents, hundreds if not thousands of victims. This is not a theory. This is a fact. Right. So you it, go ahead and call all most, the names you want. Yeah. Go ahead. It's what, most it's, what most, it's what most people think when they first are introduced to this crime. They This right. is a normal yeah. This is normal for them to think that. The fact that they're listening is amazing, and I hope that yeah. they would dig deeper and realize 
because that's what's really scary. It's yeah. It's, that, it's all is, it's all real. Do your own research. Uh, be, before you start nailing somebody else for what we're saying, because we're sitting here with mm-hmm. it just buried in files. Um, oh, do yeah. your own research. Uh, but you're not going to do that, That's are you? So because nice. you would find out that you're, what you're saying is way off base. And like I say, there's a difference between a theorist and an analyst. And if anything, we are analysts. We have a huge mm-hmm. problem globally. Yeah. In Japan. Oh, yeah. In Japan. They don't even bother with the probate system or anything like it. Uh, Troops come out, snatch elderly people out of their homes never to be seen again. Then they sell their property if they own it or sell their apartment if they've bought an apartment and all of their belongings, and they move somebody else in. And nobody's ever allowed to know where these people went, what happened to them. And it just... uh, you know, they like I keep saying, they have commodified us. They have figured out how to, even in death, make a buck off of us. It's like they weren't satisfied mm-hmm. tormenting us in life, going to get us in death too. And, um, you know, go ahead and cremate me. I've got so much metal in my body, you could probably make a few hundred bucks on salvage. And uh, it just, I, I'm telling you, <laughs> we, we are all in, well, it's the truth. I'm the bionic woman, except I'm old. Um, so I'm kind of like, oh, it's dragon woman. And, uh, well, it makes you afraid of electricity and magnets and all kinds of things. But um, it just you ought to see it when I go through the airport. You know, those scanners just light up like a Christmas tree. And everybody goes, get her, get her, get her. Oh, yeah, shut up. And, um, you know, what, what have you got on you? I don't have anything on me. Well, how come the alarm went off like that? I don't know. Maybe I'm just an exciting person. And... Um, but it's just, you know, of course, I get molested so bad in the airports. I mean, seriously, oh molested yeah. so bad. I'd never know whether to go on and get on the plane or just start planning the baby shower. Um, it is just <laughs> absolutely, if a man did to me on the street what TSA has done to me in the airports, I'd still oh. be knocking his lights out. Um, yeah. Oh. Oh. I, yeah, I get it on the airport. <laughs> I I have yeah, an unusual yeah. name. They catch too. me all the time. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They. It's terrible. I'm pulled aside every every time I get on an, an airplane. I am always yeah. pulled aside because of my name, Cosmos A. Right. Sounds foreigner, right. I guess. So yeah, yeah. Um, pretty much yes. So are they pre-profiling or is it random? I think it's not yeah. random. Yes, I don't either. I had an experience here during this little episode I had over the last month, and I was signing in to uh, see a new doctor, and the girl at the desk said to me, she says, and what's your name? I said, Marty, M-A-R-T-I. She said, what is your full name? I said, it is Marty, M-A-R-T-I. I don't want your nickname. What's your full name? I've slapped my driver's license on the counter. I said, M-A-R-T-I. And she goes, well, I never heard of such a thing. I said, I doubt if you heard about too much of anything. And (laughs) she said something about her job, and I said, I don't know who hired you and put you out here and thought you were a a candidate to be out here in, in reception. But I think they ought to be evaluated, too. She said, I went in there when I interviewed for this job. She said, I had the job in five minutes. 
She said, because of my office skills. And I said, really? I said, quoting a friend of mine, did you brush off your knees and wipe your mouth before you came out of there? <laughs> and she looked at me. I think about it. It'll come to you. And she says, okay, go ahead, fill this paper. I said, you know what? Never mind. I, I don't want to come here. I said, if everybody is like you, this is a miserable place to be. I want to caution everybody again, too. When you, even at many doctor's offices now, they want to know what your bank balance is, what assets you have, blah, 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 blah. Do not give them that information. You are not beholden to give them that information. That's not just tell Mm -hmm. them. That's not why I'm here. I'm here because I, you know, stubbed my toe and it's swollen up, whatever it is. And, um, well, we have to have it before we can sign you in. And please explain to me what the purpose of that would be. Well, we just need to know you can pay the bill. I've laid three insurance cards on the desk there. I think I can pay the bill. Well, we just need – no, I'm not giving you that information. I'm not here for financial reasons. I'm here for medical reasons. Well, we need – but the hospitals are particularly bad. And this is why at the hospital on admissions, the monitor is always – the back of it is facing you. You don't see what's actually on that screen. And if they tell you it's just your standard, you know, admissions saying just sign it on that little thing out there. No, I'll tell you what. You print me off a hard copy on that big expensive printer over there, and I'll sign that hard copy, and you can scan it in. But I want to read it first, and if there's anything like, you know, you're going to subject me to biologics, vaccines, I said, you know, I won't be agreeing to that. And I said, I have several things that I need to put on there, like no vaccines at any time whatsoever for any reason. And, uh, well, it's just your standard. Well, then there should be no problem, and I'll need a copy of it too. Well, we don't do that. Well, then I don't go here. And um, But it, 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 quit, quit what, being so willing to give these people information that they don't need. That, like I say, you're going in the hospital. What possible use could they have for your financial investments, land, homes? All the, that, That's a signal right there. There's something else going on. Don't give them your bank account numbers. Don't do anything like that. You are signing in for medical treatment. Confine it to that. And um, many people have been caught in this process. Oh, they'll write down. Kazi, I've talked several times about (laughs) these um, law firms that hold, you know, come have our free steak dinner. And we'll tell you how to avoid conservatorship and guardianship. And I went to that one in Litchfield, uh, Minnesota. And the girl out there stopped me. And she said, you have to fill out this form. And I said, what is it? She says, well, it's self-explanatory. You have to fill out this form. And I'm looking at it. And here it's, what do you own? Where is it at? How much is it worth? Who else has access to it? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, I don't think I want to. She said, well, you have to. Uh, she said to go in and have the dinner and listen to the speech. And I said, why is that? She said, well, we have to know if it's worthwhile entertaining you. I said, I didn't come here to be entertained. But I said, okay. So I filled it out. And it said, you know, what are your hard assets? Well, I own 11 chickens, not real ones. They're ceramic. And I have three grandchildren I cannot place a value on. But two of them live with me. And I went out. It was just writing silly stuff like that. She goes, oh, funny. I said, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I walked past her and went in. 
I'm sitting in there listening to this, uh, and once you you know get your estate plans done and and get these papers on file with the state, you know, and through the courts, you know, you are protected from conservatorship and guardian. All your plans are made. And I raised my hand, and this guy goes, "Yeah." I said, "How come you're not telling them that if they end up in probate, all those plans are for nothing? That probate examiner will discard every one of those plans." They asked me yeah. to leave. They asked me to leave. I couldn't believe it. Was it something I said? I think that's how they've been able to get away with this, Marty. They've been able to Say get what? away with this. They've been able to yeah. get away with this racket because of yeah. this. They've been able to hide the truth. Yeah. Don't you think? They've yeah. been able oh, yeah. to hide. That's- People believe that their affairs, and we see this often, that there's an illusion of safety, they're safe, their powers of attorney, yeah. their um, their legal documents will all be, they're, you know, validated and stamped and accepted. There's no, they don't know. They, they're, they're unaware. This, this message that you just received now, uh, calling us conspiracy theorists, um, Seven years ago, I would be saying the same thing. Oh, clearly these women have just, they don't understand the law. They don't understand the process. Oh, my lawyer told me that, here's your powers of attorney. You're all signed up. You're protected. So we believe that. They're not aware yeah. that the tribunals or probate courts can suspend your powers of attorney, yes. that you're, yep. that even if you're diagnosed in Australia with dementia by a doctor, until a tribunal has stamped that you have lost capacity, anyone can grab that vulnerable person, doctor shop, find a GP, uh, sign that person off as having capacity, revoke your powers of attorney sign you up to new paperwork and transfer property. It's that easy. We hear it all the time. And um, I think we're not conspiracy theorists, Marty. Marty, We're thousands of miles away, different continents, different countries, and we're seeing the same setup. They've worked out a way of taking your house. They've worked out yes. a way of controlling you. They've worked out a yes. way to commodify and make money. Um, they've been able to gag the media. They've been able to use lawyers to threaten families into submission. They've been able to use solicitors in cases to, to you know, fight back. They've been able to use the police. We see the police here targeting family members, issuing... Uh, intervention orders, we call them here, against the family, uh, using the name of the victim who's often isolated, drugged up somewhere that no one knows where, uh, fixation laws. They have really, really worked it out. And, you know, we've been sold a lie. We've been sold a lie yes. that we can go to a courtroom and sue these these criminals, that we can hire a lawyer, that we... No yeah. one really realises once you're under guardianship, they can use your money, Marty, to fight you. They yeah. will use your money to keep you in the system. And people say they can't do that. Yes, because as you've 
succinctly explained it, your identity has been transferred to these new people. You are dead mm-hmm. under the law and they're using your name, your money, your resources to keep and fight the physical part of you or your loved one. And that's what's yeah. so unbelievable about it, that you, yeah. it's a suspension of logic, but it's actually real. You pay yes. for your murder. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like I say, it's it's like having to pay the uh, uh, executioner to, w- to weave the rope they're going to hang you with. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, one of the most insidious yes. parts of all of this is forcing the victim to pay them for the attack, to pay yes. for everything, to finance every. How much sicker can this yes. get? They don't have to spend yeah. any of their money. They get to spend yours to attack you. And uh, your family. And your family, yes. yes. And your family. The coolest. And, um, yeah, the coolest part, yeah. Cool. Yeah. The Reverend, you're part, off a of I think, oh, sorry. That what? I was Hello? going to say the coolest yeah. is Chris. It's the, the coolest part in all of this is the symptoms, the challenging behaviours of an illness, say dementia, schizophrenia, bipolar, frontal lobe damage, where they use the symptoms and successfully isolate a victim and turn them against the family. That part, and my sister and I experienced this, is possibly the coolest part of this whole process to watch a loved one turn against you in fear because of, you know, it's a sentimentality. They believe that the person's vulnerable. And they turn the symptoms and use it, and lawyers often do this well, against the family is the coolest part of guardianship I have seen um, because the family is constantly told, they don't want you. They don't love yep. you. They don't want to be. We're here to protect. And this smirking, these evil, evil, I could swear now, smirking at the family members. I look at these people. I had We had one lawyer two weeks ago fighting, using the symptoms of an illness against, against one of our members in New South Wales. And then he, he had to leave early because he had to pick up his daughter from school. And I looked at him and I thought, I hope to God your daughter knows what you do for a living. I, I looked at this man and that moment, I just, just that rage, that little minute, I thought, you are turning a symptom against this loving daughter, using it against her, yes. and then you're turning around saying, I have to pick up my daughter member, can we hurry along? <laughs> I just really, the rage that I felt. Yeah. Because he loved his family and his daughter, but he was happy to turn and use the symptoms and isolation against this daughter who was fighting to right. see her mother. And that's the type of yeah. sick, twisted individuals you deal with in yeah. them. Yep. Yep. And sometimes the yep. apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That daughter yep. will grow up to continue the family business. Who knows? It's very, it's, it's awful. Cancer. It's cancer. Yeah, cancer. I, mean, That's I don't perfect. know how these people live with themselves. Or we have a case, we have an indigenous man in, in um, 
we have this vicious, vicious guardian. Her name pops up everywhere in Tasmania, who's who's targeting this indigenous man. He lives on acreage. They want the farm. And they keep saying, we don't want the farm, we don't want the farm. But what they're trying to do is force MDIS services onto this gentleman who just loves fishing and shooting and chopping wood and lives a relatively simple life with his carers. And the culture is in the Indigenous community that, you know, the family, the community look after him, which they are doing. And they just want to you know, introduce these NDIS providers to start writing up these shift notes and lies. And he's aware of it. I've spoken to him. And he said, I don't need this. I don't need this. Why do they keep bothering me? Every month applying for new orders, new guardianship orders, new because they want to grab him. They let it, they, they were, they, they actually accidentally in a an occupational therapy report stated he's better off living in a group home, you know, and they paint it like with other people and sharing and caring. No, these group homes are violent institutions. They're isolated, they're drugged. We recently supported a lady to escape such a facility. She had no blankets, no clothes. They, they put her in nappies. Um, even though she could toilet herself, she was showered by men, um, you know, family um, are isolated. It's violent because the family yes. is slowly isolated. They're not invited onto, these, onto the premises so they can cover up. And then what these facilities do is they charge fee for no service. So they will charge the, the, insurance, um, the insurance scheme for three carers 24-7 but there's no one there and there's no one there to witness the fraud that's actually occurring. We sent a letter to Bill Shorten, to the NDIS um, um, minister, met with silence. What, you're not interested in fraud? We have offered, ASGAR has offered our free services to audit every single group home. It will take me and others a few months to audit every single group home to look for fraud met with silence. Why? Because they're all part of it. Yeah. Okay, girls, we and Reverend Ralph, we've got four minutes left here. Reverend, you've been awful quiet tonight, so have you, cause I think Chris and I talk too much. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> we, we, I, think, I think the Reverend sits there in shock because I, yeah. I think this is the first time he's been on with Chris. Chris is just yeah. so amazing at getting the point across. Yeah. yeah, and and the vocabulary to describe different the different things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I think I think he's just like the reverend's just like, "Oh my gosh." You know, cuz he's just reverend at a church. He's not, you know, yep. he's not a guardian or, you know, he doesn't right. have family that's doing this. He's just the reverend that is caring. Yeah. And he's I go. can imagine reverend Reverend has a lot of praying to do for our society. Yeah. This is okay, Reverend Ralph. Okay, I want Ralph. to let everybody. Uh, yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead, Marty. Go ahead. Oh no, you go ahead because I'm going to close the okay. show. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're exactly right. I've just been sitting here, just aghast uh, at what Chris has been saying, and it's so much mm-hmm. amazing alike what's going on in this country, yes. just like yeah. Australia, except the fact that. The uh, tribunal uh, that Chris was talking about can nullify 
any medical evaluation that contradicts the interests of the tribunal and can even and threatens them with uh, their license and so forth. I mean, again, that's that is extortion. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But I do want to mention uh, my website, protectmyparents.us. We have a contact section, so I want to hear from anybody, uh, and maybe I can offer them some help or some information or advice that could help yeah. them. Uh, just recently, I posted the Rosen Garden case. Uh, that's a Pennsylvania Superior Court case. It was from about six years ago, which basically said that the uh, incapacitated still has rights and that those yeah. rights include the ability to uh, decide if they want their property sold. So it's about 35 pages, so it would be very interesting for people to read it that even in other states, that information might be something that a lawyer can use to help that client avoid having a friend or a loved one go into guardianship. There Excellent. Is so Everyone needs to uh, head over there. Well, and, and this is what we need is. is some fresh thinking, well. uh, new ideas. Yes. And, uh, but we have, we've made an impact. And like I say, things are going to be different over this next year. And I'll be giving you all a heads up on everything. So you can get involved in what you want to, what you don't, you don't have to. Um, but we're moving in a new direction. And um, so I'll, like I say, I'll be in touch about all of that. Reverend, thank you so much for coming on with us. You always add a lot to the shows. Chris, mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad it's not the middle of the night this time, but we appreciate yeah. you staying up. You look good for that time of the night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yes, everybody, I know my hair turned gray. I'm thinking about doing it reddish-brown again because I just don't look like me. Um but yes, it for some reason just up oh, and turned it, on me. Buddy. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you look I look beautiful. Like an alien. Uh-huh, you big liar. No. Anyway. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just never have been in the blonde category, you know, with darker skin and everything and this is making me look like an alien. But anyway, um yes, I know. And <laughs> I I am aware my hair turned gray. Anyway, Everybody, thank you for tuning in tonight. We had a full house. I'm so appreciative of that. Chris, we always love having you on. Reverend, I think you're just a regular part of these shows. You're going to have to subscribe yourself to that. Anyway, we'll be back. I'll be on Tuesday night with Marcia Southwick. We're going to be talking about what we need in laws. Hopefully, cause can join us then. And we will see you all then. Everyone, thank you and good night. Good night. Thank you. Bye. Good night.